Hi everyone, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo and I'm the author of the film review website Quipster.net. You can find all of my written reviews stemming back to 1996 at that website, Quipster.net. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be looking at the latest M. Night Shyamalan movie. It's called The Visit, and it's a labeled mostly as a, a horror comedy. It's a PG-13 film for disturbing thematic material, including terror, violence, and some nudity, as well as for brief language, and it runs one hour and 34 minutes. The cast is uh, like largely unknown actors, Olivia de Jong, Ed Oxenbold, Deanna Dunnigan, Peter McRobbie, and Catherine Hahn, and... Uh, M. Night Shyamalan is the director and screenwriter, of course. I would say that The Visit is it's an okay black comedy, but if you're looking for a good horror movie, I would say that this is a little bit too uh, watered down to really sate those people looking for a good fright flick. It's a low-budget attempt by M. Night Shyamalan to effectively start over and trying to build up his reputation back to its former glory with something a little bit fresh, a little bit unexpected, Shyamalan's last two films were After Earth and The Last Airbender, and uh, they were considered major commercial and critical flops. Uh, I didn't really mind either of the as films, but I can see how a lot of people who had expectations for those movies would have come away major, uh, majorly disappointed in them. But what's different here is that he's working with no stars, which means that there are no eager egos to contend with other than his own, and he also has the most limited resources of his career, reportedly, uh, the visit only cost five million dollars in terms of its pr- production budget, but he also funded that budget himself based on money that he earned in making After Earth. The visit plays more for light amusement than it does horrific scares, though there is a sense of creepiness that does pervade uh, the film throughout. It's only because some of the more uh, recent efforts by Shyamalan have been deemed so awful, especially the happening, that I think anyone would label uh, what is kind of anemic entertainment value in The Visit as a sign of a comeback. I would say, if anything, some people should not really be calling this a comeback of Shyamalan. I think at the best you can call it a step in the right direction, but a comeback is definitely not something that this is. This does not rank anywhere near uh, the the sixth sense or unbreakable or signs in terms of its quality. As far as what the the basic uh, setup of the story is, is... uh, we follow 15-year-old Becca and her slightly younger brother, Tyler. They're being sent for a week-long stay in rural Pennsylvania from Philadelphia to stay at the home of their grandparents. Now, they've never met their grandparents because uh, the their single mother has been estranged from them. They had a falling out, and so the kids have never really been... Uh, uh, have never really gone to see their grandparents or really know much about them because their mother really doesn't tell them that much. Um and because uh, their mother, who's played by Catherine Hahn, is now involved with a new boyfriend who wants to take her on a romantic cruise, she feels it's time, uh, you know, now that these kids are, you know, 15 and 13, for them to actually meet uh, her parents and to kind of put bygones uh, away, at least in terms of them wanting to visit their grandchildren, uh, even if uh, her uh, relationship with them is still uh, not very strong. 
This is their first time staying with the elderly in general for an extended period, so the kids are disturbed by the behavior that they see in their Nana and Pop-Pop, which is what they call their grandparents, including Nana's cavorting around the house nude in a manic state at night, and Pop-Pop's tantrums and mysterious trips to the secluded and, and dark shed outside. Um, there's a lot more to this story, but, you know, given that this is a horror movie and there are some... You know, there, there, there's a lot of spoilers that would be involved in terms of the the best moments when there are a lot of scares. So I think that if you go in with le- the least amount of preconceived notions, the better. So the visit is co- co-produced and marketed by Bloomhouse Productions, and I, I talk about Bloomhouse often uh, on this podcast because they put out so many movies. It seems like every you know two to four weeks we get another Bloomhouse uh, movie that they have their name on, and basically. They, they specialize mostly in low-budget horror movies of this ilk, and they have a special eye toward found footage movies especially that are shot on digital cameras and that don't have big stars on the payroll to break that illusion of their so-called reality. To conform to this format, M. Night Shyamalan frames this film as if it were a, a documentary shot by the two kids, and both of them, uh, eat, both of them are using, uh, handheld cameras so that they can document the things that they don't know about their family. The presumption is that they're going to capture some interviews with their Nana and Pop Pop as well as try to get an interview with their mother in order to kind of dig into who they are as a family and what, what happened to make things fall apart. They also want to find out who their grandparents are and, and as, and to document the way that they live, etc. And they also want to know why they became estranged with their mother and, and perhaps maybe even dig into what might have happened to drive a wedge between their mother and father. The father basically abandoned them several years back. Given that this is a faux documentary or found footage movie, I think that that's kind of a major disappointment, I think, for some people, because you can likely count on one hand the amount of times a found footage film has resulted in a, in a truly good movie. And maybe, uh, on that one hand, maybe only one or two of those fingers at most are what you might need to count the number of times that the use of this gimmick actually made it work better than it would have been if they shot it in a straightforward narrative. Certainly, obviously, the Blair Witch Project is the one exception that will always be around. I think Paranormal Activity also is more effective because it's uh, the notion of its reality versus, uh, you know, if you were to watch the a Paranormal Activity as a straightforward film, uh, I think it would have been much less interesting because it is a very straightforward film about a uh, haunted house, essentially. So I would say that those two are the... I, I do like a few other films um, in a mild fashion that uh, that have been made. But for the most part, I, even those films that I've mildly enjoyed, I still think could have been better if it were, if it were shot in straightforward style. I understand that the reason why people make found footage films is not at all because it is a better way of making films, but it is a cheaper way of making films because you don't have to worry about score. You don't have to worry about, uh, uh, a, a good, uh, quality film. You don't have to, uh, worry about, you know, making sure that things are shot right. You don't have to worry about having great actors or anything like that because the presumption of reality means that you're going to have uh, a nobody's in the film. So uh, there definitely is a reason why people make it. However, given the glut of them, it can be very tedious for a uh, a film critic like me to sit through. And that's generally why uh, film critics and uh, people who are avid film goers are so down on the process of found footage. So it really shouldn't come as a surprise to learn that The Visit is not going to be one of those rare exceptions that it would have been better if it were 
uh, a found footage movie versus actually a straightforward film. But I think that what's worse or more distressing about it is, it is, is that if you follow have followed M. Night Shyamalan's career, I think that what's really lacking in terms of Shyamalan, in ter- as far as what made his early films so good and what his later films, uh, what made his later films not so good is that he really has lost his ability to tell an effective story. And that's coming from somebody who really prides himself on being a great storyteller because you know, if you watch The Lady in the Water, that whole the whole premise of that movie was that Hemonite Shyamalan is a great storyteller. He even cast himself as the great storyteller in the actual film. And so uh so therefore he really thinks that he's a better storyteller than he is a director, which is completely wrong. He actually is an effective director. Uh but he really needs to I, I think that if he were working with a script from a, a truly talented writer, I think that he could marry that and actually make a really good film. But he is so insistent on being this auteur that, uh, and especially one that gets final cut, uh, I think that by and large, he's really only pleasing himself and maybe the smattering of followers that still think he's a genius at what he does. Um, but the thing here with found footage is that uh, the the one reason why I find reason to be hesitant about uh, entering into this film and thinking that he could pull off something good here is that because his ability to craft a uh, good story has gone to pot, and because the 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 assets that he still possesses, which are to deliver film that has good visual quality, a really good score, and effective direction, and uh, some good suspenseful moments. If you remove this from Shyamalan's film, he has to try to deliver good storytelling through muscles he's not as natural at flexing, such as in this film, he he really is trying to make an effective comedy much of the time, and he's also trying to use his writing to give you rich and vibrant characters that we will enjoy following. While his movie isn't without laughs or colorful performances by his actors, without this good story to put them in... Without it being delivered with that gripping directorial panache, we're left with only a few interesting or mildly unnerving moments amid this collection of scenes that fill time without a lot of entertainment value beyond the mystery of where it might be all building up to. While the visit is generally amusing, at least in its tone, the last the actual genuine laughs are somewhat sparse for a comedy, and outside of one or two truly surprising jump scares, the film isn't really terrifying enough to sate horror junkies just looking for a good fright flick. So most of the scares in this film are merely not really uh, horror. It's They're just exaggerated forms of things that happen to human bodies when they grow old. We, you know, we as humans get uh, our bodies sag and they deteriorate and there's bouts of incontinence here. And, um, you know, dementia. There's something in this film. I haven't really seen it in too many other films. Actually, I, this is the only film I can think of, uh, seeing it in is called Sundowning. And that's, Sundowning actually happens to be the movie's original title. I actually would have preferred that title than the more generic The Visit. Uh, Sundowning is actually a real thing. It's a true life condition in which, uh, the, uh, the afflicted, usually people who have Alzheimer's disease, have bouts of confusion and mood swings and involuntary body movements and rest- restlessness that occurs after the sun has set for the evening. So that actually is kind of the premise of the film. It's just about people who are getting old, and that's really the horrific elements of the movie. 
Uh, your unease with the movie is probably going to be directly correlated with your general unease about people of advanced age because this is a gerontophobic storyline. Gerontophobia being uh, the fear of old people or of growing old, it has nothing to do with uh, anything supernatural as it would in many horror films. And uh, this is just the natural pro- process that we are, are or, or will be going through in our golden years. While other movies are called out for being racist or sexist or xenophobic, I think it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of laughable that somehow ageism is still considered acceptable by and large from the general public. The visit may be a prime example that digs deep into our prejudices toward finding what happens to humans once we get old to be icky or creepy, horrific. This the whole movie is based on the fact that growing old is a horrific process. It's a scary process, and the things that our body does once we get old, this lack of control over ourselves, is actually very frightening. And so that's what the movie really digs into. And how much how effective that is in scaring you is probably, like I said, it's going to be directly uh, related to how scary you actually find old people. That's kind of sad to say in a way. Shyamalan had been known as uh, uh, in his career, at least early on, as this, uh, especially after the first few films, uh, this gimmicky twist director. He employed them in a lot of his early works uh, to the point where he actually had to stop using them in more recent efforts because people expected them. So it, it was, you know, once he got to the village and every everybody was expecting a twist and not very many people were happy with where that twist went, he kind of had to say, okay, well, I can't continue to use this gimmick. I got to find something else to make movies with. And, you know, after that, there weren't, you know, the starting with The Lady in the Water, people just didn't think he was that great of a storyteller. He was able to build twists, but he wasn't able to do it once everybody was in on it. This stigma, I think, still exists for Shyamalan because now some will be, some will still be scanning any film that he makes to find out if that rug is going to be pulled out from us in the end. So I think that it actually, uh, decreases the enjoyment of his films for some people because they're just too busy looking for where's the twist? Where's the twist? And they're not going to be able to actually follow the story as a story. They're just waiting for, oh, I want, I, I need to see where this is going. There's a lot of mystery here. What's the twist? Now, I'm not going to spoil anything here and because I think that just knowing if there's a twist or not a twist makes it a different experience than if you were going in without any preconceived notions. I just bring this up because I think that I, I'm not here as an apologist for Shyamalan, but I think it's kind of a new no-win situation for Shyamalan uh, in a way. He, I, I mean, I, I can't really say that he's a victim here because he made his own bed, but those who expect a twist will likely slight his effort if they manage to figure out what's going on by the time it's revealed. And certainly uh, the chance of them finding out what's going on is going to be greatly heightened if they expect it because they're going to see, they're going to try to uh, follow closely. Where's the twist? Or if there's no twist, then they're going to be disappointed that the storyline seems too straightforward and there weren't enough surprises because there's a twist that never occurs. So, yeah, what is Shyamalan to do at this point? I guess not a lot without uh, becoming a nobody again. Now, Shyamalan does gather a decent cast. Uh, all of the all of these character actors are really charismatic and they play mostly for un- for intentional camp. Um, this movie really is, I mean, it seems like all of the people making this movie know they're making a funny movie, and they actually play up the comedic aspect of it. 
I think that if if I were to say if there's a scene still stealer in the film, it's Ed Oxenbold. Uh, those of you who saw Alexander in his uh, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, uh, or whatever it's called. I, I can't really think of it off the top of my head, the full title, but I think that's close. He was the star of that film. He was actually pretty good in that film. And I think he's good here because not only is he the only truly unique character in this film, and he delivers on that, uh, including uh, he's kind of this burgeoning rapper, and he actually lays down some supposedly freestyle raps. He doesn't okay. I mean, it's not really, you know, he's not going to be Eminem or anything like that, but he actually does a good job in delivering the comedy within these moments, these comic relief moments. But I think that uh, Oxenbold shows not only the fun of how young boys like him, you know, 13-year-old tykes like him are, but also how irritating they are. You actually... You, you find him kind of funny to watch in scenes, but he's also so irritating. And that really it does capture at least what I was like probably at his age. I thought it was so smart and funny and charming. And uh, I probably was just irritating as, you know, nails across the chalkboard to uh, adults around me. And yet, you know, if you were to step back and just observe me as somebody who didn't have to deal with me all the time, maybe you would find it funny. Uh, I guess you have to, you know... It, it really depends on how uh, tolerant you are of obnoxious little squirts like Tyler. Uh, there are some fun moments, to be sure. They're just there's just not enough of them to to be strung together to make the visit one you might want to pay a visit to yourself. And it feels, if I were to say uh, to break this film down, I feel, I would say it's it's about 15 minutes of really funny and clever and interesting moments interspersed with about an hour of this found footage stuff that could have been excised and probably would have been excised were this not striving to be a feature film. The Visit is really the kind of movie that if, if I were to watch this movie, I, I didn't see whose name was attached to it. I would have expected this to have been made by uh, an unknown director, an untested director, looking to prove what he can do in the industry with a minuscule budget. And, uh, you know, the movie is not really in, engaging enough to be a mass appeal, a mass appeal, uh, mass marketed push. But I think that if I, if I were watching this film without Shyamalan's name attached, I would have said, hey, this is made by a guy who wants to show studios uh, enough of his raw talent behind the camera to give them a shot with something truly meaty, maybe on a, a project that they have in mind. But given that this is for, uh, a film from a man who was once a, a name so large that it merited putting above a film's title, and it got a lot of butts in seats on a very wide scale... To see Shyamalan try to prove himself yet again is kind of a bittersweet experience because it's really sad. I mean, this is a guy that was touted as as the the next Spielberg or the next Hitchcock for his generation. But yet he's making, at this point of his life, he's basically making a found footage movie and hoping that a $5 million budget will just be enough to recoup some money so that he can say, oh, not all of my uh, films of the last 10, 10 years are flops. I made this one for $5 million and it made $50 million or whatever it happens to make. I don't know what it's going to make by the end. But at the same time, even if it's sad for Shyamalan, the once mighty Shyamalan, who actually uh, could have been a great auteur, I think that if if I were to find a silver lining on this cloud, it's good to see that Shyamalan is actually willing to try to give his flagging career the second wind it so desperately needs at this point by actually going back to fundamentals, the thing that got him here in the first place. I'm not, you know, 
this is not the sixth sense. This is not unbreakable. This is not signs. This is definitely a lesser effort. So as I mentioned, this is not a comeback, but at least it shows that he still has something left in the tank. If he were to actually either uh, find a good story that he could wrap a, a movie around if he still has something left in him. I haven't seen anything good story-wise that would suggest this, but, or if he could take somebody else's story, somebody who actually does have a crackjack script, I think that if he were to do that, that effort would be the real comeback that we've been waiting anxiously for and uh, still merits watching Shyamalan's career to see if he has one more gem, one more quiver, uh, one more hour in his quiver, so to speak, and see if he can really truly deliver another film on the level of Sixth Sense. But sadly, it's not going to be this one. This one is going to be one of those films. I think it'll have a little bit of a cult following, maybe eventually, but I think by and large, it's not funny enough and it's not scary enough to be either an effective comedy or horror film. It does, it's an oddball film, and I think that some people will like it for being odd, but in the end, I, I think that it's just, it never really coalesces into something truly uh, uh, above that, above a collection of funny moments. So I'm going to give uh, the the visit two and a half stars. And two and a half stars on my scale means that it is a mediocre film that has moments, but it never really had enough moments to to make it a really worthwhile film going out of your way for even if you're a fan of this genre. So I think two and a half means it was it was watchable enough to sit through. It really never really got to the point where it kind of kicked it up to the next level to be something really entertaining. So uh, unfortunately, another... Uh, it's hard to call it a misfire given that it's a very low budget and we're not expecting that much from Shyamalan at this point. Um, but de- de- it really depends on what you think of his output in the last few years, especially after Earth and The Last Airbender. So you'll either be mildly surprised or you'll be mildly disappointed. But uh, either way, it's just kind of right there in the middle. It's a middle-of-the-pack film and, uh, you know, a typical September release, honestly. So anyway, thank you everyone for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the review of The Visit. If you did, I hope that you'll go to iTunes and leave me a review. Every uh, good review does uh, benefit me. Uh, it does help me a lot in terms of gaining popularity. I've liked the numbers that I've seen so far. I've got, uh, uh, you know, I, I basically have tripled, I think, the amount of subscribers over the last uh, uh, two months or so. So I'm really uh, encouraged by that. And I hope that you will keep listening. I hope that you like these reviews and you'll uh, you'll have some suggestions for me. You can go to my website, quipster.net, and uh, you can find my contact information as well as links to my Twitter feed as well as my Facebook uh, page for this uh, for my film site. And uh, you can also, you know, let me know what you think directly. Write to me, quipster at gmail.com. The spelling of quipster is with a W Q W I P S T E R dot net for the website and all the info. Thank you everyone for listening. And until next time, I hope that you enjoy your time whenever you go to the movies. 